Colossians chapter 2 is where we'll be today. In Sunday school we looked at all spiritual blessings are in Christ. They're all in Him. And all that a sinner needs is found in Christ. Everything. Let's read from verse 1 of chapter 2. For I would that ye know what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen in my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love. What a wonderful statement. God's people's hearts are knit together in love. Knit together in love. And unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words, should carry you away with enticing words. Take you away from Christ with enticing words. Or take your eyes off Christ with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. He rejoiced in the saints at Coaz. And he's in prison. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. Here's how we're to walk. Rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, according therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men. So philosophy and in vain deceit, traditions. You've got to do this and that and this and because, because we've done it for years. After the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. That's why we keep saying, look to Christ. Eh? Look to Christ. And then here's our text in verses 9 and 10. For in Him, this is Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in Him. Which is the head of all principality and power. All that a sinner needs is in Christ. We are complete in Christ. That's the name of the message. Complete in Christ. Everything necessary for salvation, everything necessary for our security, is found in Christ, in Him alone. Outside of Christ, we have no eternal life, no security, no peace, no grace, no redemption. No justification, no sanctification, dead in trespasses and sins. But in Christ, we have everything. We have everything. Everything that a believer needs. The believer is complete in him. I found an old Webster dictionary from 1913, actually, and it defines this complete as this. Having all the parts of, or organs which belong to it in a typical form, Filled up with no element or part lacking. Nothing lacking. Now, in ourselves, in our natural state, we're, we're so lacking <laughs> to be in the presence of God. And then it says, finished, ended, concluded, completed. <laughs> to bring to a state where there is no deficiency. Wow, this is what we are in Christ, we who believe. Lord, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Entire, perfect, 
to bring to a state in which there is no deficiency, to perfect, to consummate, to accomplish, to fulfill, to finish. In Christ there is a completion, a complete filling up in Him, so that the sinner who trusts in Christ lacks for absolutely nothing. Everything we need to be in God's presence we have in Christ. Everything we need for the redemption of our souls, which we can never redeem ourselves, is in Christ. Everything. We need look nowhere else. Don't look to your circumstances. Don't look to your strength. Don't look to your intellect. Look to Christ. In Him dwells all the fullness of the God. All the fullness of God. Christ is perfect. And think of this. The believer stands clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Sinners, but clothed in the righteousness of Christ. This is why 1 Corinthians, and we've heard this often, but I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 1, 30 and 31. But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus. Remember the completeness in Colossians. But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom. You see how, how much more that comes out now when we're complete, finished, perfect in Christ? He's all wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. That's why again we say, glory in God and Him alone. Because He gets all the praise. We are complete in Him. Not in anything we do, but all in Christ. All in Christ. But of Him are ye, Scripture declares. Oh. Colossians chapter 1. Turn and look at, look at verses 1, 23, 21 to 23 here. Here's our state before the Lord says this. And you who were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind. That was where we were. By wicked works, yet now hath He... And notice again, we've been looking at the little words in Ephesians about how the, the, these words... Tell us the state of the believer. Yet now hath he reconciled. We, the believer is reconciled to God. He has peace with God. A peace that he never had before. In the body of his flesh, it's all what Christ has done through death to present you. Look at this. We're sinners, aren't we? To the core. Sinners to the core. In thought, in deed, in everything we do. There's nothing we do that doesn't have sin permeating it. But look at this blessed Scripture in the body of His flesh through death to present you holy. Holy. Oh, if we could just live in, in, the, in the fact of what Scripture says. But we're sinners, aren't we? Lord, help my unbelief. Help me, Lord. But look at what it says. This is, this is stating what the believer has. And this is the believer in Christ and no one else. To present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in His sight. If ye continue in the faith, if someone makes a profession and leaves, they were never of us. In the fact, I'm not saying if they leave a church, I'm saying if they if, and go somewhere else, I'm saying if they leave the faith. And that's what the Scripture is talking about. If they leave the faith, they were never of us. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the Gospel, which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Those who who Christ preserves and keeps us looking to Christ, we will be presented unblameable. We know what we are. And unreprovable in His sight. When Adam fell, we all fell with Him, didn't we? Every single one of us. 
We're lacking. But everything we're lacking is found in Christ. Everything. We're weighed in the balances. In our own nature, we're weighed in the balances and found wanting, aren't we? Oh, but in Christ. In Christ, we're unblameable and unreprovable in God's sight. What a wonderful Savior. We who are ruined by sin and come into this world that dead and trespasses to sin, He makes us alive and unreprovable and blameless in His sight. And it's all found and it's all supplied in Christ, in Him alone. It's nowhere else. Nowhere else. Look again at our text. For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in Him. What a statement. What a statement. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Much more abound. Let's look at verse 9. For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. In Christ dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He was God in the flesh. God in the flesh. In Christ, there was absolute perfection. No sin at all. Not a sin in thought, word, or deed. He is the perfect, spotless Lamb of God. He is God in the flesh. Perfect. Nothing can be added to perfection. Nothing. You see the error of folks' ways when they try to add their works? You can't add anything to perfection. It's perfect. No need to be added anything to it. Nothing. We add nothing to Christ. He's the perfect, spotless Lamb of God. So as I said, when add when man adds works to Christ, to that which is perfect, it's not of Christ. It's of man. It's of man's doing. Because nothing can be added to that which he has done. Nothing can be added to that which Christ has done. He's perfect. And in him all the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily. Calvin said this on the fullness of the Godhead. Further, when he says that the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Christ, he means simply that God is wholly found in Him, so that he who is not contented with Christ alone desires something better and more excellent than God. Man, they're in a world of trouble. The sum is this, that God has manifested Himself to us fully and perfectly in Christ. What a statement. Fully and perfectly in Christ. We looked at verse 15 this week. Look at this. Who is the image of the invisible God in chapter 1? The firstborn of every creature. And one commentator brought out a wonderful illustration. He said if you look through a crystal glass, you look through a crystal glass and and, uh, we don't see anything, but if you put polished metal on the back, you see a reflection. The image. Christ is the image of God. He's the image of God. The reflection of it. He's God. God in the flesh. God is invisible. We can't see Him. He's the image of God. God incarnate in the flesh. God manifest in the flesh. God dwelling in all the fullness of the Godhead dwelling in Him bodily. He is the one object of our faith. He is the one author of our faith. He is the one sustainer of our faith. He's the one finisher of our faith. And He is the one who in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. 
He is the Lord Jesus Christ and He is the sinner's only hope. There's hope nowhere else but in Christ. Nowhere else. Those who hope in themselves will perish. Perish. Those who hope in their works will perish. Those who trust in the fact that they're going to a certain church will perish if God does not come to them and draw them lovingly and show them their desperate need for Christ. He is the sustainer of us who believe. Outside of Christ, we have no hope. None at all. Can you do anything in your own strength to save yourself? I ask you, can you do anything in yourself to save yourself? If you think you can, you're lost and you desperately need Christ. Because we who believe know that we cannot save ourselves. We have no strength to save ourselves. We can't add anything to perfection. And Christ is absolutely perfect. The perfect substitute, the perfect sacrifice, the perfect Lamb of God, of which all in the Old Testament were but types and shadows, all pointing to Him. So we know that in our own strength, we who believe can do nothing. But in Christ, we're complete. Robert Hawker said this about this Scripture, by the indwelling of the Godhead bodily in Christ means a oneness and union of God and man in one person. So that the human nature of Christ is filled with the divine nature and both are so inseparably united. He's God incarnate in the flesh. Fully man, but yet fully God. The God-man as to form but one, the same person. And he says, oh, the glorious truth. (laughs) Oh, and this is our Savior. This is the Redeemer of sinners. The Lord Jesus Christ. Jehovah God. Three divine persons that make up one holy, majestic God who we worship. And there's only one God. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. God incarnate in the flesh. Turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 1. The fullness of God the Father dwells in Jesus Christ the God-man. The fullness of the Holy Spirit dwells in Christ the God-man. Jesus Christ, the God-man, is equal with God, the Father and God, the Holy Spirit, in essence, in purpose, and in power. Hebrews chapter 1 says this, starting in verse, or we'll read from 1 to to 8. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. There's a statement that he is the creator of all. He's got, we know God is the creator, right? Jesus Christ is the creator. He's king. Who being the brightness of his glory, and here we go, and the express image of his person. My son Joshua, he's my son, and he has features of me and features of his, of his grandparents and all that but he's not the express image of me. Brother Matt, you're not the express image of your dad, although you look like your dad, but you're not the express image of him. Christ is the express image of God. He is God. He is God in the flesh. The express image of his person. 
and upholding, look at this, all things by the word of his power. All things. The universe, everything. All things held by the word of his power. And he condescends and becomes a man. This is why we talk about the great condescension of Christ and how he left the glories of heaven in all power and majesty and became a man. He upholds all things by the word of his power. This is the God of the Bible. This is Christ Jesus our Lord. When he had by himself purged our sins. He purged the sins of the elect. When he had by himself, no one helped him. He's perfect. Purged our sins. He sat down on the right hand of the majesty. It's finished. It's, he's rest. He's reposing. He's interceding for his people. What a mighty God. What a mighty God. Being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, he, when he bringeth up the first begotten of the world, he saith, saith let, and let all the angels of God worship him. And the angels, he saith, who maketh the, his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, Thy throne, O God, to the Son. Thy throne, O God, He's God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of, of Thy kingdom. But look again in verse 3. When He had by Himself, we are complete in Christ. When He had by Himself, He did it all. Every single thing needed for a sinner. He did it all. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Oh, the Lord Jesus Christ is King. He does all things by the word of his power. And those who bow down to Jesus Christ, bow down to the true and living God. Those who bow down to Christ, bow down to the true and living God. He is the true and living God. Jehovah, God in the flesh. Emmanuel. Those who refuse to bow down to Christ have never bowed down to the God of the Scriptures. They've never bowed down. And think on this and how serious this situation was in Colossus and other letters which Paul is combating false works-based salvation. If we allow anyone or anything to turn our eye of faith away from Christ... We're turning away from the true and living God. He is the true and living God. And only salvation is found in Him. Nowhere else. He's perfect. He's perfect. This is why we preach Christ in Him crucified. We don't preach ourselves. I can't do anything. I can't save myself, let alone anyone else. But I know of one. I know of one who saved my soul. And He can save whomever He pleases. And He does. He saves His people. He saves His elect. We don't know who they are. We have the Gospel go forth and He has it go forth with power. And it's all for His glory. And it's all for His praise. Everything we need is found in Christ and Him alone. Let's look at verse 10. And ye are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. We could spend weeks here. And, and ye are complete in Him. This verse before us, Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, 
tells us that we are complete in Christ. Complete in Christ. The believer is the ye. The caution believers are the ye. And as I said, a lot of things could be could be straightened out if we only looked at who these letters were written to. It's written to God's people. It's written to those who will believe. God's sheep. Now the word complete in the Greek is defined as this. To make full. To fill up. To the full. To fill to the full. To cause to abound. To to furnish or supply. We need need all these blessings in Christ because we can't furnish them ourselves, can we? Not at all. To render full to complete. To make complete in every particular, to render perfect. My, oh my. Here's a quote by Brother Henry Mahan. We are perfect in Him. Let's let that sink in for me. We are perfect in Him. He is perfect, and our being in Him makes us perfect. This is not speaking of what we shall be, but of what we are right now in Christ. Not in ourselves, but in Him. Now, we're still sinners. I don't believe in sinless perfection. And neither does Brother Henry. But when God looks upon His people, He sees us in Christ. He is the head of all principality and power, not only in the church, but angels, kings, rulers, religious heads, etc. In Him there is no change, or no charge, obligation, duty, or service that can be demanded uh, of us for redemption. I like that statement. In Christ, there is no, no charge, obligation, duty, or service that can be demanded of us for redemption, not by anyone. He's done it all. That's the end quote. He's done it all. In Christ, by His one offering for sin, our Lord Jesus Christ has perfected us. Now we're still sinners. We're still sinners. And we struggle every day, don't we? We struggle every every minute, every second. We, let's be honest. We're, we're, we sin all the time. But the Scripture declares that in Christ, we are complete in Him. We who are weak in ourselves and can do nothing are complete in Christ. And think of this. If something's complete and something's completed, nothing can be added to it, can it? When you said, I've completed that, think of you in your own life. When you complete something and it's done, you don't add anything to it. We are complete in Christ. Not complete in ourselves, eh? but we are complete in Christ. What wonderful news for those of us who came out of the yoke of religious bondage. Remember all the lists and all the things that we had to do? All our sins are forgiven in Christ. Because we're in in Christ, our Heavenly Father sees no sin in us. Those who believe. And that's the key right there, too. Those who believe. Those who are trusting and resting in Christ. We are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And it's a complete salvation. Oh, if we could just live in this. eh? It's a complete salvation, though. It is. He's forgiven us of all our trespasses and sins. 
And it's only found in Christ, who is God in the flesh. All that a sinner needs is found in Christ. The question is, are you a sinner? Awful hard to find people who are sinners now. But if God shows you you're a sinner, you're flee to Christ. If He makes you willing, you're flee to Christ. And that's our hope. That God, those of you who are here who do not know Christ, oh, that God would reveal to you what you are. And we're not saying that in a, in a high on the horse kind of thing. We know what we are. We're but sinners saved by the grace of God. And God, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. He's had mercy upon us. And we say, flee to Christ. He's your only hope. Oh, that God would make you willing. Here are some things that we are complete in Christ. His perfect obedience is our righteousness. Turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 4. His perfect obedience is our righteousness. He was a substitute through His whole life and He was a substitute upon the cross. In His perfect, remember, perfect, this is why we're complete in Him because it's perfect. It's perfect in Christ. Romans chapter 4, starting in verse 6 to 8, even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness, look at this, without works. Imputeth, See, our sins are imputed to Christ, right? And His righteousness is imputed to us. The blessedness. Now, if you're here and you're saved, think of it. You're blessed. <laughs> Beyond comprehension. If the Lord has saved you, blessed is the uh, blessedness of the man unto whom God imputed righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Praise God. Covered by the precious blood of Christ. Covered by His sacrifice on Calvary's cross. And what He's done. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. What a Savior. What a Savior. And this can only be said of those who are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Those who believe on Him. Philippians says this in chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. But of but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And he did it for his people. His perfect obedience is our righteousness. What a mighty and gracious Savior we have in Christ. His sacrifice for sin is our atonement. His sacrifice for sin is our atonement. See, outside of Christ, we have none of this. But in Christ, His sacrifice for sin is our atonement. Hebrews 2.17 says this, Wherefore in all things it behooved Him to be made like unto His brethren, that He might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation right, for the sins of the people. He was sinless. He's the perfect substitute to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. That's we who believe. That's the elect of God. Of, the elect of God of all the ages too. All who, are, who, who, who live before us, all who are here now, even the ones who, who have, Christ hasn't revealed Himself to, and all the ones who will be saved. 
all the elect of all the ages to make reconciliation for the sins of, his, of the people. God became a man like unto his brethren and those who were given to him he, he must redeem. And he did it. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. We didn't love God, did we? Those of us who are saved now, the, we didn't love, there was a time when we, we were just talking about that, brother, no? We didn't even, we didn't love God at all. We may have heard of him and we cried out and, 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 and we used his, his, his name as a byword. Oh, what mercy though. What mercy. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. The propitiation. God sent His Son to die for those who did not love Him. By nature, we come into this world shaking our fist at God. Enemies in our mind. And He sent Christ to be propitiation for the sins of His people. Now, propitiation is a word that's not used a lot today. But here again, it's defined in the Webster Dictionary. 1913, it says this, the act of appeasing the wrath and conciliation, the favor of of an offended person, the act of making making propitious. So, So, who had we sinned against? Who do we sin against? God. He must be, and His justice must be satisfied, right? And then it goes on to the definition, that which propitiates atonement or atoning sacrifice and isn't this neat in the Webster Dictionary from 1913? It says this, specific, specifically the influence or effects of the death of Christ. You wouldn't see that in the modern dictionaries now, would you? <laughs> in appeasing the divine justice and conciliating the divine favor. He's appeased the wrath of God for His people. He's a propitiation for His people. His sacrifice for sin is our, is our atonement. What a... What a what a wonderful God. Do you see how we're complete in Him? His Word is our instruction. The Word of God is our instruction. Psalm 119, 105 says, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet. A lamp unto my feet. And a light unto my path. Think of this. Without the direction of God's Word and the light of God's Word, our whole course of life and the actions of our lives would be in darkness and full of peril. But his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Turn, if you would, to 2 Timothy 3.16. It, it instructs us. Oh, we look to God's word for guidance. Look at 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now, God's word directs us and it corrects us too. And it's profitable for first doctrine, which is discovering or confirming in all the teachings concerning God. That's what doctrine is. People don't care about doctrine anymore, but it's important. It's important. Because it, doctrine just speaks of God and what He's done. But folks are all into emotion now and feelings and religion's full of that. But God's people yearn. We yearn for this. Think of the great doctrines of, of, of the fall of man, but then redemption by the blood of Christ. The great doctrines of eternal life and, and justification and sanctification. These are marvelous 
marvelous doctrines. And they all point to Christ. They all point to Him. Reproof, it says. Things which creep in, such as errors and heresies and false teachings concerning the Gospel. This book will, will straighten that out. Correction. We need correction sometimes. And the Scripture corrects our attitude and our spirit and our practice in our lives. I can't tell you how many times I've been listening to a sermon and I'll get it right between the eyes. And no one else knows. <laughs> if someone else listening to me or listening with me, they don't have a clue and I'll just be sitting there just really, you know, you're just like, oh my gosh. But that's what happens. Sometimes. Sometimes the Scriptures comfort us too. And instruction in righteousness in every branch of duty with respect to God or man, the Scriptures are a perfect rule of faith and practice. We do what we do to glorify God and not to be seen of man. The next point is, Christ's wisdom is our direction. Ephesians 1.8 says this, Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. When it's the Lord's time for a sheep to be saved, they shall be saved. And he reveals himself to them. And we're taught of God. We're taught all the mystery of, of His gospel and redemption. And think of this, the gospel's hidden to, to both the Jews and the Gentiles until God is pleased to reveal it. Was it not so with us, who, we who believe? Was there not a time when the, we didn't even have a clue? And He revealed Himself. And this is our hope for those of you who, who are here who do not know Christ. Oh, that he would, oh Lord, that you'd reveal yourself to your sheep who don't know you yet. We do not need to look anywhere but Christ because in him is everything pertaining to God's wisdom, mercy, grace, and righteousness. Look at verse 3 of the chapter that we're in too in Colossians 2. In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. They're all in Christ. They're nowhere else. Folks seek after wisdom in all different places. It's only in Christ. It's only in Him. You can learn a lot of stuff from the world and stuff, but, but this, this wisdom here is only in Christ. The wisdom of salvation in Christ alone. The wisdom of the things of God. You can't learn it on your own. He must reveal it. And when He does, it's absolutely marvelous. It's amazing. In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Everything that's necessary for the salvation of a sinner is in Christ. And as I said, that's why we point you to Christ. The next point is, He has all power. Right? He has all power in our salvation. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. What a mighty God. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. What a mighty God. He has all power. Christ has all power. All power. We saw that in Hebrews. All power. And in Scripture says that we're kept by that power too. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. 1 Peter 1.5 We are kept by the power of God. We're saved by the power of God and we're kept by the power of God. What's, what's the conclusion to that? It's all by His power. It's all by His power. What a, what a wonderful God. His blood sacrifice is our justification. Romans 5, 9 says this, 
much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath. Remember the appeasement, the propitiation? We shall be saved from wrath through Him. The wrath of God has been appeased. Has been appeased for the believer in Christ. His grace is our salvation. Romans 3.24 says this, being justified freely by His grace. Freely. By God, whomever God chooses, whomever He wills, freely by its free grace. We're saved by the free and sovereign grace of God in Christ, plus nothing. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, justified by His grace. And then the next point is His eternal love is our security. Turn, if you would, to Jeremiah 31, verse 3. His eternal love is our security. We are secure in Christ. Do you see how we're, do you see as we're going through this, how we're complete in Christ? Those who believe are complete in Christ. Everything that's lacking is found in Him. Found in Him. Look at this marvelous verse in Jeremiah 31.3. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Now that, that, that right there is enough to make us just be in awe, right? Just be in awe. But look what it continues to say. Therefore, with loving kindness... Have I drawn thee? Loving kindness. Drawn with loving kindness from God, from the power of darkness to the kingdom of His dear Son. Drawn with loving kindness from being dead in trespasses and sins to being made alive in Christ. Drawn with loving kindness out of the pit of sin where there's no water unto Christ, His person, unto Christ, His blood, unto Christ, His righteousness, unto Christ. His fullness. Everything that a sinner needs is in Christ. And by faith to lay hold upon them. We're given the faith to lay hold upon them. It's a gift from God. And this verse also speaks of man's inability to come. Man must be drawn with loving kindness. He must be drawn. And God, with loving kindness, draws His people to Him, to Christ. What a wonderful God. We don't deserve it. As a matter of fact, we were usually, when He's drawing us, we were running the other way, and then He draws us, and like Brother John says, we do that about face. <laughs> oh, and then we run. We run to Christ. We run to Him. Only because He's drawn us with loving kindness, and He's loved you with an everlasting love. What a wonderful God. Oh, we're complete in Christ. His ever, turn with me, if you would, to Lamentations chapter 3. And we'll just build on what we looked at there in, in um, um, Jeremiah 31, where it, where it was, was His love is eternal. His eternal love is our security. His everlasting mercy is our hope, beloved. Lamentations chapter 3, it says this in verse 22. Look at this. And think of this in Christ. We are deserving of condemnation, right? We're deserving of wrath. That's what we've earned as sinners. But look at this beautiful verse in Lamentations chapter 3. It is of the Lord's, verse 22, it is of the Lord's mercy, mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. He's unchanging, beloved. They are new every morning. His mercies to us are new every morning. I remember talking to a, a dear sister in Montana. I was up there preaching one time and she said, do you know why His mercies are new every morning? 
she said, because the manna that, was, that fell yesterday wasn't sufficient for today. His mercies are... And so the, each day we, His mercies are new every morning to us. To, 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 oh, it's wonderful. They're new every morning. And look at this. Great is Thy faithfulness. Great is Thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in Him. We hope in Christ. We don't hope anywhere else, do we? The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him. To the soul that seeketh Him. Oh, seek Him. Seek Him. Oh, that God would make you willing to seek Him, to run to Him. We who believe know that the soul that seeketh Him were saved, redeemed by His precious blood. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. So the Lord Jesus Christ is the only hope for our eternal souls. As I said, this body is going to be put in a grave, but my soul, our soul lives forever. And He redeems. And He is the only hope for our eternal souls. And one day we'll have a glorified body too that don't have no sin at all. It'll be amazing. It'll be incredible. His fullness is our completeness. John chapter 1 verse 16 says this, And of His fullness we have all received... And of His fullness have all we received in grace for grace. And the word fullness is another term which brings out the absolute deity, glory, and sufficiency of Christ. All the fullness of God's glory, person, grace, mercy, peace, life, joy, and purpose dwells in Christ. It all dwells in Him. And all that believers need for time and eternity is found in Christ. Is found in Christ. In Him alone. Nowhere else. Neither is there salvation in any other. Nowhere else. And this is just grace upon grace and favor upon favor. And those who believe have received it in Jesus Christ our Lord. His immutability is our strength. Now the God of the religionists cannot keep someone saved unless they let them. And they can be saved and lost depending upon whatever they do. But that's not the God of the Bible. Praise God, the God of the Bible is unchanging. Now we change, don't we? God is unchanging. Those He saves, He keeps saved. He doesn't change His mind and say, well, you know what, no. No, you're not saved anymore. No, no, not at all. The God of the Bible is unchanging. Unchanging. Remember, He's loved His people with an everlasting love. With loving kindness, He's drawn us. He's unchanging. Therefore, it says this in Malachi, For I am the, I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. The fact that God never changes is a great joy and a blessing to God's people. God does not change His mind ever as we humans do often. We change our minds all the time, but he doesn't, he doesn't change. What peace for the believer in Christ. God is unchanging. Is Christ unchanging? Well, Hebrews 13.8 says this, because He's God in the flesh, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's unchanging. That means that if He saved His people, they are saved. And it's not based on anything we do, is it? And in his resurrection, turn, if you would, to 1 Corinthians 15. 
His resurrection is the guarantee of our glorious resurrection. We will one day be with Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 20 to 23. His resurrection is the guarantee of our resurrection. 15, verses 20 to 23. But now, in, now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. Oh, God is satisfied with the sacrifice of Christ and he's raised for the justification of his people. But see, we have all this in Christ, right? All that we've looked at, we have in Christ. It's nowhere else. Outside of Christ, none of this. But the believer is complete in Christ. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and death. He's, he's in heaven. And because he's there, the body shall soon fall. Where the head is, the body will soon fall. And the last point is this. His intercession is the assurance of our deliverance from sin. Turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 7. Some, some will say, and I've mentioned this before, oh, you don't know how much I've sinned in my life. Well, we're all sinners, aren't we? Every one of us. The Lord, and we all know what the Lord saved us from. And we know from Scripture that, that the Lord, Lord saved one who was an adulterer, one who was a murderer, one who was a persecutor of the brethren, one who was being crucified alongside of Christ for his cr- crimes that were his, who said, we're here justly, but this man has done nothing. Look at Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he liveth to make intercession for them. Christ can save the most vilest of sinners. And he does. And he does. What a wonderful God. He is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. What a statement. Really, there's nothing that needs to be added to that except he can, he can save the vilest of sinners, like I said, that come unto God by him. You see, there's the clause. That come unto God by him. Folks are trying to come unto God by all different things except Christ. But those who come unto God by and through Christ and him alone are saved. He's able. He's able to save them to the uttermost. Now, these are just a few things that we've looked at that we have in Christ. There's so much more. There's so much more. But I think that what we've looked at today will cause us to rejoice, those of us who believe. Will cause us to rejoice that we are complete in Him. Now, what more could we possibly want, beloved of God? What more could we possibly want The whole Godhead is engaged to make the believer complete in Christ. Has not God supplied all that we need in Christ? Philippians says this, But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Everything that a sinner needs is in Christ. Nowhere else. God has supplied all our need in and through Him. Think of this, there's no fullness in any man born in Adam, right? We're weighed in the balances and found wanting. 
but there's in Christ a fullness. There's no fullness in any church, but there's a fullness in Christ. There's no fullness in any religious ritual, ceremony, or ordinance, but in Christ there are all spiritual blessings for the believer. All fullness dwells in Christ. Therefore, let us exalt and praise and honor His mighty name. And we'll be really quick to give Him all the glory, won't we? All of it. All fullness of mercy. All fullness of power. All fullness of redemption. All fullness of righteousness. All fullness of love. All fullness of grace are in Christ and Him alone. Nowhere else. He's infinite, incomprehensible, divine. And the believer has this in Christ. What a mighty Savior.